Well, you gotta believe that I didn't mean to take a month to get back to y'all. From the East Coast of America, the front lines of American healthcare and healthcare research, it's the Dassing MD podcast here with episode 26. Episode 26, which follows episode 25 at a great distance. And again, I do apologize. I gotta keep getting this thing together a little quicker, but uh, I don't know, the podcast has a life of its own, and that life is a monthly kind of life at the moment. Uh, I'm working on it. What can I tell you? But, for those of you who are still out there, still listening to us, we are alive and kicking. Dashingmd.blogspot.com is the blog. You can subscribe to the podcast by clicking on the button there. You can go to feeds.feedburner.com backslash dashingmd if you are new to the podcast and uh, by the end of it today you like what you've heard. Uh, please do subscribe. Welcome to the community. You can always send me your emails. Love to hear them. Love to get them. I'm going to be reading one to you here in just a second. Uh, the email address, as always, dashingmd at gmail.com. You can be a friend of mine on Facebook. It's Dashing Doctor D O C T E U R. And without any further ado, let's jump right in with a trip to the mailbag and a letter from Amanda, who writes, "Hi Dashing, hope life for you is good. I'm so happy you continue to update the podcast. I've been an avid listener since the beginning. I'm always thrilled to see a new episode." I wanted to get your take on a couple of things surrounding alternative medicine and its usefulness compared to conventional medicine. While I love things like organic products, natural foods, herbs, and recycling, I'm unable to really identify as the granola type. I'm also not always sure that I buy into the complementary and alternative medicine therapies. So many of them seem more like magic than medicine to me. I do believe we could all use a little more exercise and fresh air to feel better, but holding precious stones to relieve ailments just doesn't work for me. I'm also a little confused by the occupation of naturopathic doctors. What the heck is that? And are they really as comparable to an MD as they want you to believe they are? Please give me your thoughts on the subject. And good stories are always appreciated. Well, Amanda, let me tell you a couple stories. First of all, and I, I've wanted to talk about this before, and I think I've mentioned it in previous podcasts, but I am like a huge believer in the placebo effect. So you look at any given study for the effectiveness of a medication. And the traditional way for measuring the effectiveness of a medicine, you can do it one of two ways. You can either measure it against a known medicine uh, that is known to work and then see if it works better or worse than the known medicine that, that already exists for a condition. Or if you have a new medicine that's treating a, a condition for which there isn't an established sort of gold standard medication, you can test against a placebo. And a placebo is just a pill that looks exactly like the pill that people are given and that actually has the medication in it, but it actually usually just has a little bit of sugar in it, or it's designed in some way so as to look and ideally taste and completely resemble the other medication, the difference being that one actually has an active ingredient, the other one does not. And what you do is you take people and you put them in, in what's called a randomized controlled trial, um, and typically it's a double-blind, randomized, controlled trial. So the, uh, the patient who's taking the medication doesn't know what they're getting, and the doctor who's giving it to them doesn't know what they're getting. So nobody knows. It's all coded, and it's all uh, kept. All that information is kept in sort of a central vault, and nobody knows what a patient is getting, whether they're getting the placebo or they're getting the re regular actual medication. 
that's how you measure the effectiveness of medication. And the results of those are always published as how much better a medicine is versus placebo. And everyone kind of latches on to that number, that that how much better this medication is than a placebo. But what is always amazing to me is the fact that the placebo works at all. I mean, and they give medicines to people for all kinds of stuff and see an effective placebo result. I mean, this includes big things like cancers and, you know, potentially really deadly diseases. Occasionally, you will see really marked placebo effects. I mean, they did this with antiviral drugs and AIDS. They've done this with all sorts of medications. And consistently, you will see that a certain number of patients taking a drug that, or taking a pill that has no drug in it at all, get better. And it's pretty much universally acknowledged in medicine that those people would not have just gotten better if you hadn't given them anything at all. Although I'm not aware of any studies that really specifically look at that. I'm not sure who would pay for them. But I just think that's incredible that the power of the mind in believing that it might be taking a medicine that could fix this condition could in fact lead to the condition getting better or the mass getting smaller. I mean, real demonstrable, objectively measurable things can change with placebo medication. Sure, some of that is probably, you know, people who would spontaneously have gotten better anyway, even if they hadn't been getting the placebo. But some of it, I think, really is this unacknowledged fact that the mind and the body work together in ways that we in modern medicine, you know, modern at the moment, but what will be regarded as a benighted era of medicine a thousand years from now, remember. But at the pinnacle of technology that we're at now, we cannot appreciate a lot of the effects of how the body treats itself and how the mind can play a role. So I think there's something to this. And I've got a couple stories about it. I mean, one is a story about my... Okay, two stories, both about uncles, two different uncles. My first uncle was um, profoundly depressed, like catatonically depressed, like deeply clinically depressed with like psychotic features. I mean, this it was like a really intense depression. It went on for 20 years, maybe. And it was totally unresponsive to, like, every SSRI, all sorts of mood-stabilizing drugs, uh, intensive psychotherapy, maybe even uh, ECT or electroconvulsive therapy. I'm not sure. But, I mean, this was, like, I mean, it was really severe to the point of institutionalization. And it was totally resistant to treatment. I mean, there was just nothing that could be done for this. My uncle was understandably troubled by this, and um, finally, he's sort of a, he's always been a believer in alternative therapies and and um, and in sort of mystical phenomena, including you know sort of reincarnation and and UFOs and that sort of thing. And yet, I don't know that he had tried really a lot in the way of alternative therapy for this. Um, 
because I think he respected medicine as well and, and, and figured that if, you know, Prozac and lithium weren't going to fix it, then the chances of anything else doing helping him were, were slim. But, uh, you know, in his late 50s, he finally went to an acupuncturist sort of on a whim. She was a friend of his or a friend of a friend in a little walk-up building in New York City. And uh, he walked up to the fifth floor and he tells the story of walking in, meeting this woman, laying down, her putting a few needles into him in various spots, and of a giant cloud lifting off of his soul and of walking out of that building feeling as if he was a new person 20 minutes later. An effect that has persisted to this day. He is a different person and a much better, happier guy who rediscovers life through acupuncture or through the belief that acupuncture would work. Another uncle of mine was a raging alcoholic, just absolutely, totally out of control alcoholic. Used to start drinking in the morning, be blacked out by lunch, and then, you know, kind of fall asleep with a bottle of gin in the early afternoon, wake up in the morning, start all over again. Got so severely alcohol poisoned over the years that he developed uh, alcoholic cardiomyopathy and had to go into the hospital with severe heart failure um, because the alcohol in a certain percentage of people alcohol can cause this effect where it basically pickles your heart it 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 scars your heart um, and you develop uh, a really severe disease of the muscle of your heart where it it just ceases being able to work effectively you get a very dilated heart um, and it can't move blood forward well and uh, and the reality of that is that if you keep drinking when you have alcoholic cardiomyopathy you'll die of heart failure those patients it, it's really a condition that in traditional modern medical understanding can only be treated with uh, medical treatment up to a point and then a heart transplant um, you can't reverse it. You can just sort of treat the symptoms. Um, you can sort of optimize the rest of the way the blood flows through the body uh, using beta blockers and ACE inhibitors and things to make sure that um, the, the heart is, has to do sort of the minimal, minimal amount of work. And then you hope for the best. And you, you know, if, you're, if it gets worse, you get put on a transplant list and you've, you're low on the transplant list because you've got to prove that you are no longer drinking and alcoholism is a tough one to beat so it's it's almost a death sentence this diagnosis but my uncle got this diagnosis went into the hospital was in the ICU for a week or so got out sort of optimized on medication but still not feeling real healthy and somehow found his way down to Brazil where he'd heard about a faith healer and a spiritual surgeon a guy who's sort of a medium for the spirits of long dead physicians he himself knows nothing about medicine but he channels people who know things about medicine and Malka went down and was in this guy's presence for a few minutes and he walked out and didn't feel like he needed 
or wanted or had any interest in having a drink. And that was five years ago. And he hasn't touched anything since. So he describes his interaction with the healthcare system as being one of the great tortures of his life. And he describes finding this guy who lifted the spirit or took the evil demon out of him as being one of the great moments of his life um, and as being a sensation that is unattainable through modern Western medicine. And I, I mean, I don't know what to make of it. I certainly can't point to a physiologic basis for it, but the guy is cured. Now, if I had a pancreatic cancer or a disease that was amenable to surgical resection, um, would I recommend anybody to opt for the spiritual surgeon over the cold hard steel? You know, and one of the reasons I'm in surgery is that I really do believe that there's a time when surgery is the only option. And, um, and so, no, I definitely wouldn't. But if you have a medical condition that's not amenable to treatment by Western medicine, um, or a medical condition that's sort of chronic and, and, and was, is amenable to trying different approaches, I mean, I think that you, you have nothing to lose other than, you know, some time and some money. And if you're a skeptic, my guess is it doesn't do you any good. But if you are a believer or you're willing to believe, you know, it may be that you, this releases your ability to fix yourself in a way that modern medicine, Western medicine never could. And if not, maybe it really is that the spirits are helping you out. I mean... There are stranger things in this world than are dreamt of in our philosophies, and I promise you that uh, surgeons of the year 2008 do not have all the answers, no matter what they tell you. I mean, I think it's a great question, and I mean, it's, this is such an interesting, interesting area. Um, naturopathic doctors. I have to admit, I know very little about it, but uh, I did some reading on the internet, and... Um, and thought back to my own experiences and and so traditional conventional western medicine doctors go to medical school they get an md degree and that's sort of the traditional physician right there are osteopathic doctors so osteopathic doctors go to an osteopathic medical school they take a curriculum that's based a little bit more on holistic care and and it's sort of has some fundamental relationships with chiropractic or other modalities of treatment, or at least it does in its origins. Now they're really basically just medical schools, as I understand it. And they, in principle at least, are then eligible to go and match for the same residencies as MDs, um, as well as doing some OD-specific residencies. Um so it's not uncommon in an, in a care group, you know, to have primary care doctors who went to a osteopathic medical school, got an OD, and then went and did a residency, just like any of the rest of us, and and come out of that with uh, you know the same privileges as an MD. Um, there are some residency programs, um, particularly I think sort of the sort of 
upper tier residency programs that are resistant to bringing ODs into their program. Much the same way I think that, that people are resistant to, to having foreign MDs in their program. It's just sort of a status thing. Um, I don't think it reflects necessarily in any way on the the nature of the training, but there are some assumptions made about the quality of the training, maybe. And then there are there's something called an ND, a naturopathic physician, um, which is yet another designation, one that doesn't exist in all the states, um, for people who've had sort of conventional medical f- training with a strong naturopathy bent to it. And they're regulated differently they're only uh, they only exist in some states i think like 16 out of 50 states um and there's some real limits to what they're capable of doing and prescribing and being active in um and you know in 34 states they can't do much at all um and then there are naturopaths which is uh you know sort of not a not a medical degree but a you know training in natural or alternative medicine therapies and there are there's a widening sphere of physicians mds who are very interested in in alternative medical therapies and there are um there are courses in med school um that i didn't take because i was kind of going the cold hard steel route but um courses in medical school that deal with complementary and alternative therapies insurance plans are paying for acupuncture and massage um so I think we're starting to see a blend of naturopathic and sort of traditional Western medicine. And, um, and I think it makes a lot of sense. I mean, certain things, you know, have really been demonstrated to work. Hypnosis uh, really works um, for certain conditions. Acupuncture really works for certain conditions. You know, crystals, I don't think have been shown to work for anything. If anybody knows different, let me know. Um, you know, holding stones is not something that, you know, I think has been shown to have any efficacy beyond whatever placebo effect you might see. Um, but other things, you know, really do pass the test of objective Western science, which sort of demands that you do, uh, you know, cases and controls and and test these things. And some of these things really work. And I mean, why shouldn't they? They've developed over thousands of years and people have been smart for a long time and and have been able to make some judgments about things that work and things that don't over the past, you know, history of humans. Um, And and why wouldn't we trust that? Um, Most of the medications that we get today, or, you know, are derivatives of plants and animals. And why shouldn't we believe that you know, some alternative medical therapy that involves the consumption of some strange plant or animal might, in fact, have a biochemical basis for working. So um, I definitely wouldn't put my whole hat into it, um, but I think it's not a bad idea to, to keep an open mind. And if you go to the blog, um, you'll see some links to some things that I looked at when I was thinking about this and some amusing little hijinks links as well. So, Amanda, thank you so much for your question. Now what I want to do is uh, I want to give you guys a little case. And um, and I'm not going to tell you what the answer is. I'm just going to give you the case. And uh, I'll talk about the answer in the next episode. 
Um, but in the meantime, anybody of you who are sort of interested in, in playing physician, um, let's let's try this. Let's just see if people are interested in um, in trying to sort of solve these puzzles themselves. Um, and uh, I'll take a look at your answers and sort of describe how uh, we came to the answer that we came to. Um, but here's an opportunity for you guys to pretend to be surgeons in the comfort of your own home. So this is actually a case um, of a uh, close relative of mine um, who is an 88-year-old woman with a past medical history significant for a radical mastectomy 30 years ago on the right side uh, for breast cancer and a history of severe arthritis who calls me one day and tells me that her right hand is white and cold and she's been to her doctor um, to ask about it and he's taken a look at it and he hasn't been able to her hand was white and he her personal doctor hasn't been able to feel uh, a pulse in her right wrist but he sent her to a vascular surgeon and the vascular surgeon has not been able to feel a pulse but has been able to detect a pulse with a, a Doppler ultrasound of her right wrist and has told her that he wants to see her again in a month so your task should you uh, choose to accept it is to uh, is to think about what questions you would want to ask what you think might be going on and what you would uh, what you would recommend as a next step um, if you're interested and uh, I'm gonna t I'll pick up this story next time in the next podcast which hopefully will not be so long from now that you don't remember the question and uh, explain to you what happened because um, it's a it's an interesting story in the meantime let's uh, let's call it a day this has been episode 26 of the Dashing MD podcast. Let me know your thoughts. Let me know your inspirations. Let me know what you're thinking about the things that we talk about. DashingMD at gmail.com. DashingDoctor uh, on Facebook. Feeds.FeedBurden.com backslash DashingMD to subscribe to the podcast. And thanks for being out there. Thanks for listening to me. Thanks for sending your emails in thanks for being a part of this community and thanks for holding the torch for a future in medicine or something talk to you soon be well